here. This little podcast is a safe space to talk about the movies we love, the good and the bad, acknowledging their issues and celebrating their successes with a healthy dose of nostalgia thrown in for good measure. And because I'm a librarian by day and don't need an excuse to talk books at the end of our conversation, we'll, because I do have a friend on the pod today, give you a few book recommendations you might like if this movie sounds like your cup of tea. Before we dive into today's conversation on pop culture villains with friend of the pod, Watson, a quick ask. If you like the podcast and want a free and super easy way to support what I do, please consider rating or reviewing the podcast wherever you listen. You can also just share the podcast with someone or someones you know that you think might enjoy the fun as well. Word of mouth marketing. I would be ever so appreciative. So we have Watson on the pod today. Hi, Watson. Hello. Welcome back. We are talking villains because we have a deep affection for villains. Yes. We have, what do we have that we share? Uh, We have a Pinterest board (laughs) called Possibly Evil, Definitely Pretty. (laughs) And I will say it is in large part entirely the fault of Peaky Blinders. That is true, which we're going to be talking about the Peaky Blinders today. But we thought before we dive into our picks, we would talk a little bit about where this infatuation with villains comes from. So we're going to kick off with the this question. Why, Watson, do you think we fall for the villain? I think I have quite a few thoughts as to why, but first and foremost for me, it's the the confidence that the villains have. I think a lot of time the heroes, in order to be likable, apparently they have to be humble as well. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no, no. The, the villains sometimes have built entire organizations or superpowers and they they are confident in their power they're aware of it they've got the strut and it's just they're they're very comfortable being them Mm -hmm. i would agree with that and i would also add on to that that like you said there there's no humility there there is too much humility with heroes Mm -hmm. and there's a perfection to them that is unattainable a lot of times so the villain is angry is frustrated is um discontented and so it's a lot of the emotions that we feel every day so it's like wait yes. that person is actually a little more like me yeah they're allowed to the show all of mm-hmm. these a lot of times many of them have the tragic backstory so we see them grieving we see them you're crying upset mm-hmm. raging and you're looking at it going yeah <laughs> yep i read this article on um psychologicalscience.org called From Voldemort to Vader Science Says We Prefer Fictional Villains Who Remind Us of Ourselves and it was a really interesting article because they talked about it allows us to explore that side of ourselves safely without having to do anything ourselves so we can almost project onto these characters who are behaving in this way mm-hmm. and not have any of the consequences of it, which I thought was kind of interesting like too. It. it is that sort of version of escapism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why do you think villains are portrayed differently than the heroes? Um, I think in addition to that confidence, they're shown as being more selfish, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, there was the one of the things that we sent to each other multiple times is there was a, a TikTok that kept getting repeated about why women prefer a villain. And it's that whole the hero would sacrifice the girl to save the world because mm-hmm. that's what we expect of a hero. The villain will burn the world down. Yep. <laughs> and it's that like, no, this is mm-hmm. and they protect their people, their concept, their idea. And the hero has this very strict morality that it's gotten to the point where I've been watching certain things and I'm like, but you're only adhering to your personal morality mm-hmm. and you're not sort of taking into account 
gray areas in other people and and yeah. i think the villains do that and i think sometimes it's a misunderstanding of the greater good the greater good for who or for what and that's yes. as we are going to talk about there's some villains that are they really the villain they could they are actually right in a lot of ways but mm-hmm. it's because they're bucking against that oh the greater good that's been defined yes. by society that people struggle with well in addition you mentioned earlier the the range of emotions that they show historically and this isn't always done in a good manner but they're also the ones that you see portraying physical issues whether Mm -hmm. it's paralysis whether it's you know anything along that lines any sort of movement disorders anything like that we only saw those in villains which is a negative because Mm -hmm. you know it was casting that any sort of disability in that light but it's also that was where people would see themselves then like Mm -hmm. oh it's okay to be on screen and have you know be have a prosthesis of some Mm -hmm. sort or anything like that yep why do you think they're always so pretty though because i mean (laughs) because hollywood keeps casting pretty people and it's problematic Uh uh-huh and they have accents half they the do. time, and then I'm just in real trouble, and I'm like, I know you've killed 12 people, but I, uh, hi. Hi. How you doing? What's up? Can I have your number? I, I do think it's very specifically to create conflict in the viewer, that that uh, idea of you shouldn't like me, but you do, and mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm going to make this hard for you, and I'm going to make you a little uncomfortable because you shouldn't like me, and that I think that's very purposeful that they and do that. I think it's a quick way, especially for movies specifically who have a very shortened amount of time to portray a a complex human being to get that sort of um they're sympathetic so if they're pretty it's easier for the audience to get there Mm -hmm. faster we're we're more comfortable with michael b jordan being an amoral guy than we are with uh, somebody who's we find physically frightening yep and i i do think too that kind of going back to all of this, um, you look at the, this is not in all cases, but the hero is typically all good. They can do no wrong. Mm-hmm. And so what I, there's very few though, really just pure evil villains. And I think that's why I enjoy it too, because yes. they do live in that gray space that they are not completely wrong a lot of the times. There are some of them that are, that are just like, oh, you, yeah. you're just evil. You're just evil. You're just in it for yourself. Um, but that they're given context for their choices a lot of times. So you know why, especially when you get that backstory mm-hmm. of why they've become who they've become. I think too, like uh, the conversations I've had and we've had here on the pod, I think together about like the stepmother from Cinderella. Mm-hmm. She is the villain. Yes. But when given context for her villainy, she's not evil. Yeah. She is the product of a society that has put Stripped her into that all place. of her choices mm-hmm. away. Yeah. I remember... One of the first times it really like sort of solidified for me was when I was watching the show Smallville, mm-hmm. which kind of a hokey show, but I remember watching and within the first season or two, I was like, Clark is boring. The Lex Luthor character that they had at the age he was at then, he wasn't you know full-fledged evil. He mm-hmm. was willing to do bad things to protect his friends. And I was like, that is a more interesting character yep. to me. Mm-hmm. Superman is boring. Yep. He's going to do the right thing. I he's know gonna what he's going to be pretty, do. <laughs> but he's boring. Uh huh. But Lex, Lex will—it's it's, mm-hmm. that chess player that, like, I—I am willing to kill these people to protect the people I care about. Yeah. Like, that character, I'll watch. Yep. 
So let's get to our list because we have several. And we <laughs> did say we can only pick three for each of these. Oh, crap. And we I each did long lists of people <laughs> that because there's a good chance that we would probably share because we do have this shared board. <clears throat> yes. um, so the first one is top three villains that we acknowledge are toxic, but we are attracted to them anyway. Yeah, so which order do you want me to go in? Do you want me to go into like my number one of all time? Doesn't because matter. I'm going to claim this one immediately. Okay. Just on the off chance that he's on your list, and that is Jareth from the oh, Labyrinth. Oh, that is he was on my <laughs> list. That is correct. He is. I acknowledge he's kidnapping children. In his defense, she wished him away, and that baby seemed very well cared for. Yeah. There was a hundred <laughs> nannies there, and he was giggling and happy. But it, it was the bowiness. It was very seductive. It was very confident. He was king. He was good with mm-hmm. his power. It was, you know, the, the glass ball thing, which was just mesmerizing to watch. It was like that ending scene with the, like, stay here, love me. Like, yep, yep sign yep. me up. <laughs> Done. Why on earth would I go back to the real world? You have fantastical creatures and a castle. <laughs> Poor in. life choices. So. I'm in. So that was your favorite of all yes. time. So I need to start with my favorite of all time. And this one, he could potentially, he did not start out as an anti-hero. He kind of became one throughout the show, but he's still the villain of the show because the whole show is based on these two men going after each other. And that is Boyd Crowder from Justified. <laughs> yes. I love Boyd Crowder so much to the point where my parents are like, you are not supposed to like him. No, stop liking him. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but I am in love with this man. Um, so he is a, a drug dealer in rural Kentucky. and he's But he's charismatic in a way that Timothy Oliphant is uber attractive he really is. boyd crowder doesn't have that same handsomeness he's got some really weird hair but his charm and his charisma you're just like mm, boyd mm-hmm. crowder <laughs> i think i saw him first on sons of anarchy where he played this like small recurring role and i even in that i was like who who are you what mm-hmm. what, what else have you, can i watch more of you and it, yeah he's one of those actors that's just very compelling yes. when he's on screen when he's on there you're watching him i mean you're also watching oliphant because oh, Timothy Oliphant, but you are you are watching Boyd Crowder, so he's my top one. What's your number two? I can't blame me for that. Um, ooh, number two. Um, I'm gonna have to go with uh, the Sheriff of Nottingham from Robin Hood, <laughs> Prince of Thieves. And I'm not gonna lie, it's because it's played by yeah. Alison Rickman, but it's that similar large acting mm-hmm. chew the scenery, the like because it's dull, you twit, it'll hurt more. <laughs> he's he seems to be really enjoying yes. playing that part, yeah. and that's what made it a lot of fun to watch. We should have really compared him. We should have, because <laughs> he is well. He's on a list. He's not on that. Yeah, list, I so have. That is there funny. are some people who bumped onto multiple of these mm-hmm. lists, so we'll see what happens. So my number two, we've already mentioned, it's Tommy Shelby from Peaky Blinders. Yes. He is another one that you could almost consider an antihero, but he he's not really heroic. He's working for his family. It's a very selfish thing, and he mm-hmm. does just horrible things he tries to get better towards the last season but i think it's similar to breaking bad in that just because he's the main character of the mm-hmm. show doesn't mean he's, he's a the good hero. guy yeah, yeah. The, he's, he's, yeah he's a gangster that, yep. that's what he's doing it's like watching sons of anarchy you're watching it going but you're still running guns and yep. drugs but i'm like i'm rooting <laughs> for you but i don't see this ending well it's just amazing to me his ability like the how intelligent he plays this character that he is playing. It's like you said, it's chess. Mm -hmm. He is playing 10 moves ahead that nobody is anticipating. He is so smart about it. 
and he doesn't let anybody, including his family, get in his way. And he's Killian Murphy. Oh my goodness, yes. he's Killian Murphy. He's so pretty. He's got the accent. You have to kind of watch it with the the closed captions on because you don't really know what they're mm-hmm. they're saying, but. It's that confidence and that swagger that he has walking around town and the way he just like watches you and you're like, oh, he's thinking he's going to do something. So. Yes. And those are always my favorite characters, those, the strategists. I find smart is very, very sexy yes. to me. <laughs> and it's interesting because it's so we're we've hit the last season and now we're waiting for the movie because there's going to be a movie and it's big gaps between these seasons coming out. So time has passed. Quite a bit of time from the first mm-hmm. season to the fifth or sixth. I can't remember how many there are. Six, I Six, think. I think. I can't remember. But he has aged, and they show him aging, and they show kind of what his life has done to him and the stress oh. and pressure that it's put on him, which just makes him <laughs> even more attractive because you're like, he needs glasses to read. <laughs> uh-huh. And salt and pepper looks mm-hmm. good on a lot looks of books. very good. And you get so good into the haircut that you don't even mind that it looks ridiculous anymore. It kind of so. does. Yep. All right, what's your number three? My number three is Khan, Benedict Cumberbatch in Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, I get because Benedict Cumberbatch is very attractive and he he plays that role, but it's the calm power that he exudes for most of Mm. the show. He he obviously gets very violent at the end, but like all of the scenes with him in the prison cell where he's just like, this isn't going to end well for you. And that is that sort of like calm confidence is also something I find very attractive. But as you watch the movie, like, yeah, he's attacking these people. You literally kidnapped and imprisoned every single person that he knows, Uh like not just that is related to him. They've been in cryo for hundreds of years. Everyone else he knows is dead. His entire population is here, and you are threatening their lives. Like, yeah, he's yep. going to kill you all, and yep. I'm on his side. I'm okay with that. He's also one, though, that he fell on one of my lists, and it was the legit scary. That calmness yes. I find terrifying. I, I, <laughs> I would feel more comfortable with a villain that didn't, didn't feel like they had it all together like uh-huh. was had attention to them that you don't see in him for good parts of the movie and you're just like mm, yeah. yeah it's that whole thing like when you're at a bar the guy who's who's jumping up and down and shouting about how he's the biggest baddest guy in the mm-hmm. room you look at and go like yeah okay but there's that guy sitting in the corner who's being very quiet and i'm mm-hmm. fairly certain he could kill us all <laughs> but he doesn't need to tell any of us that <laughs> like, it's he's just strider chill. from the lord of the rings <laughs> yes <laughs> Dude, if he was in a bar. <laughs> if I was in a bar I, and Vigo Mortensen pops up looking like Strider, looking up, oof, I'd oh, be yeah. in trouble. Yep. All right. So that's our first. Li- no, I haven't yeah, done my third. I haven't done my third. This third? is hard because I have to go with where my heart wants to go, and it's it's a tie. And I I'm gonna throw out the name Raymond Reddington. I'm not gonna pick Raymond Reddington from the blacklist, but James Spader. Yes. He kind of was part of the start of. The Pinterest list because we just fell in love with him so dearly. We, we did. But my my heart goes to the Darkling in Shadow and Bone. I figured it would. That's it why would. he is not on my yes. list. Yes, he I you'd be on yours. is complicated, and I think it, what's interesting about that particular character one is played by Vin Barnes, who <laughs> might be one of the most attractive people on the face of he the planet. Is. And now he's scarred. I like, know. But the scars oh, on the face, and I'm like, son of a bitch. But he started out with a moral drive. There was a reason why his character was behaving the way it was, mm-hmm. and then it morphed into just hungry for power so to watch him like you're with him and then you just start to see the turn and you're like 
oh my goodness, you're scary. And mm-hmm. But it's so beautifully done and brilliantly done. And it's that manipulation too, because he's doing that throughout as well. He's manipulated you watching because you're like, oh. Mm-hmm. Yep. He reminded me of Magneto in mm-hmm. that, where like he, he had a group of people that he saw that were being attacked. He's mm-hmm. like, these are my people. I have to protect them. Power helps me do that. Until it got to the point to where point, you're like, yeah. ah, ooh, we, we've gone a little, little too far. Yep. Yep, which leads kind of into the next one. Yay. Top three villains that weren't wrong. And there were a few that I, as I was doing some research, research and things, came a lot down to that power element. The people that were against people that had such power. Like yes. you can't, the villains that were actually against that. But what is mm-hmm. your, in whatever order you want to do? Ooh, um... Huh, there's some that I've talked about a lot. Okay, so my first one, I'm going to go with uh, Killmonger from okay. Black Panther, who I believe I've mentioned before, so I was going to stay away from him. But actually, I really like what they did with that character because, I mean, from the very beginning when he's in the museum and he's talking about taking whatever the piece of art, mm-hmm. African art was, and, and the very nice white British curator lady was like, well, you can't just do that. And he's like how do you think you guys got it? Which, you know, is a question you can ask about a lot of stuff in British museums. Um, But then you go on, you see the type of life he led because he was deprived of so so many resources, so many advantages, not only because he was Wakandan and got left there, but because that was something all people yes, were dealing deserve with deserve access yeah, to that you yeah. know weren't white that weren't getting mm-hmm. these this this help and now he sees there is this population that has all of these resources which is great for them but they've been keeping their mouths shut yeah. about it and we've been suffering for it so you're watching going okay i get it i get it maybe genocide is bad because he <laughs> yes. does want to kill everybody that kill looks like people. me but okay maybe we kind of deserve it yeah. <laughs> i'm i'm kind of with you like i, I acknowledge you're going to kill me too but Okay. <laughs> yep. Yep. So my first one is <laughs> going to go to uh, Concierge Hector, Mr. Tim Curry from Home Alone yes. 2. Yes. Um, yes, you should be suspicious of a small boy who wants to get a room, a very expensive room at a hotel, and you have not seen parental figures. A single figures. adult. So there is, there is nothing wrong with what he was asking and his suspicion about it. Everything was wrong about the situation itself. And that movie is only brilliant because of Mr. Tim Curry. Yes. He brings the humor to it. He brings his particular flair, which he is just so good at. He, It's not a manic, but it's a very physical comedy that he can do, especially with his face. Mm-hmm. Um, but, he, but he plays that kind of not wrong villain. You don't like him because you want to root for... For the kid. For the kid, for Kevin. <clears throat> but at the same time, you're like... He's not, you know, he's not wrong. And I've noticed that about most kids' movies mm-hmm. that you go back and watch. Like, you know, I, Mrs. Doubtfire, loved Robin Williams as a kid. As an adult, you're going, that man comes into my house, he's going to drive me yep. nuts. Like, yep. I'm trying to parent my children. Here. Yep. <laughs> most adults in these movies are not the bad guys yes. we thought they were. Yep. There's a cup, one other one that I is on my list that I, if you don't say it, and I don't mm-hmm. know if you'll say it, but what's your number two? Uh, my number two is uh, General Hummel from The Rock, which okay. was a fabulous movie. Um, I enjoyed the whole thing, but when you when I rewatched it years later, because I saw it shortly after it came out, or I was a teenager when I saw it, I watched it again recently. I'm like, oh, no, okay, yeah, he's doing 
he's he's threatening all of San Francisco with these mm-hmm. horrible weapons, but he ne- a he never had any intention of actually using them on the population, and he was doing it in order to get a hundred million dollars for veterans and people that the U.S. were supposed to take care of and and didn't. Mm-hmm. They had medical needs, they had therapy needs, and they weren't getting it. And he had tried to do that through the official channels the right way, and it didn't work. Yep. So now he's like, screw it. I'm going to take care of my people because I've seen these men. I fought with these men. They've been wounded protecting this country. I'm going to help them. So, like, as an adult, I watch it and I go, oh, yeah, no, okay. That, Who is he that's cool. by? Um, Ed oh, Harris? Yes, Ed Harris. I was like, I can see him. And, again, possibly in large part because of the gravitas of that actor. Because that yeah. man talks and you just oh listen. You're like, okay, yeah, whatever you say. <laughs> yep. You're He's- just on his side. We're going to stick with the Ed Harris theme because he is also on my list. And it's Wilfred from Snowpiercer. Yep. So society has broken down. What remains of society is on a train that has to keep moving because if it doesn't, it will freeze and everybody will die. So what is left of humanity is on this train and he has created a class system in order for it to survive because not everybody can have equal stuff. Mm -hmm. It just... They would Humans not make don't it around. Work that way. It does yeah. not work that way, and they just don't have enough resources to survive. And so, what he did is awful, but he's also just trying to keep humanity alive. Mm-hmm. And so, at the end, the villain is really Chris Evans because he stops the train, kills all of humanity except two children, <laughs> and it's like, okay, who you see wandering through the snow, snow. in a polar bear. Yes. Those have two kids no are going to chance die. of surviving. So he has now destroyed all of humanity. And even if they do survive, you're now mandating that these two people who don't know yep. each other have humans. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and then, you know, the question I also have with Adam and Eve, because they're going to have kids. It's all going to be incestual. What, at, you <laughs> know, there's next? no there's no way around that. Yes. So I just he's not wrong. Is it is it? wonderful what he's doing no do you wish there was another way yes um but he was in the right in that and it's uh-huh. ed harris and he can like you said he talks and you're like yeah mm-hmm. yes i believe you i will follow you and that's one of those instances of someone who has to make terrible the decisions decision in order to keep mm-hmm. things going yep mm-hmm. all right what's your what's your next one ah this is the third one so i only yep. get to pick one more oh i gotta have so many Meeny, meeny, miny. I'm going to go with uh, Cosmo from Sneakers, which came out in 1992. It is one of my favorite movies. It's got Robert Redford in it. It's got Ben Kingsley. It's got Sidney Poitier, um, Dan Aykroyd. David Straithharn is in it, and I love him so much. Um, But it is about Robert Redford's crew, which is basically all of these people who get hired to do security tests. They're, They're basically crooks, but they get hired to do this legally. Um, because at the very beginning of the movie, you see Robert Redford and his friend who were hacking uh, political organizations and donating their money to causes mm-hmm. that they thought were much more deserving. Robert Redford goes out for pizza. The friend gets arrested. Um, and they end up, they get set up. And that was sort of his like, oh, I can't do just this forever. This is terrible because my friend got arrested. So I've got to do, you know, not break the law anymore, I guess. I'm apparently supposed to learn a lesson from that. Um, but... They end up getting set up by this guy named Cosmo, who they think they're stealing. It's a legit job, and they end up getting a whole lot of trouble. And they finally meet their bad guy, and he's talking about, you know, that he's got this fabulous techie thing. This came out in 92, so, you know, (laughs) 
but they he basically wants to bankrupt a political party. He's mm-hmm. like, these guys are worthless. We're just, I'm just going to take all of their money and we're going to donate it to people who need it because this system isn't working. It's not working the way it should. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, don't you just, and they obviously have to stop him. But like, but he kind of has a point. Like, yeah. if the system isn't working and there's all of this money in these massive political parties, like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I saw nothing. What? I didn't see anything. Like, there was a <laughs> squirrel over here distracted me. <laughs> he stole all of the money. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Yep. And he's played by Ben Kingsley. Yes. Fabulous. Oh, so good. So good. I watched that not too long ago and really enjoyed it. Love I mean, I'd movie. seen it before, but it was a rewatch. My last one is going back to similar to my first pick that the hero is actually, who is considered the hero, is actually the villain because they're doing the thing that is wrong. And so. My villain here is Mr. Ed Rooney from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That makes sense. Ferris Bueller skipped school and had done so nine times. <laughs> that he, semester, right? That semester, semester, yes. And he he's disrupting school even when he's not there because everybody's just talking about Ferris and saving Ferris and all of this. So yes, he rightfully needs to get to the bottom of, especially when he knows that this kid is not actually sick and he's just skipping school. Should he have done breaking and entering in the house? No. No, no he should not have. But. Um, but he's not wrong in wanting to go after Ferris and mm-hmm. figuring out what it's going It's another on one there. of those instances mm-hmm. of the adult in the movie is actually not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> They're just trying bad. to be an adult. You could maybe go about things a little differently. Yes. But... Not bad. All I mean, right. I've got a whole rant about Meredith Blake from Parent Trap. So, you know, like, I'm <laughs> yes. on that woman's side. He's a terrible father. You proposed to this woman without ever letting her meet your child? Well, the first. It's a red flag. Wait, what, who, what parents are like, let's just separate our children and let them never yes. see each other, and they're not going to know who their other parent is? Like, no. Oh. I, was, I remember the one the of villains. the rewatches where I suddenly realized it wasn't just that he hadn't told her that, that Haley had a twin. He had never introduced the two. He had proposed without introducing this woman to his child. So I can see from her point of view, like, obviously they're not close. He didn't even bother to, okay, she's going to Switzerland. That's fine. Shipping her off. She wanted a rich husband. I'm on her side. All right. What about villains that we liked more than the hero? Uh, Oh, no. This is such a long list. And for me... A large part of this is due to the individual actors yes. because there are certain actors where they're just they're fabulous. So uh-huh. my first one is um, Whaler and Bygood, Bishop Whaler and Bygood from Pillars of the Earth. It's mm-hmm. a fabulous miniseries. He's played by Ian McShane. He starts out as Bishop. He ends up being, I think, a cardinal by the mm-hmm. end of it um, in the, I think it's the 11th century during the building of a cathedral. And you really see his manipulation and his greed and at a time but it's a fascinating yeah at a time when the church was an organization like there was a lot of scheming and Mm -hmm. a lot of payoffs and a lot of corruption and that sort of thing and he's evil like i make no he's he's not a good guy i wanted him on screen more (laughs) like he was just i'm sitting there watching him like yeah i hate you and i want you to die slowly but i want to watch it (laughs) i agree my first one is going to be, it's the exact same reason, even though the heroes themselves are pretty fabulous as well. But I have to go with Moriarty from Sherlock. Oh, yes. Andrew Scott. <laughs> he enjoys himself. He does. He is having fun. And so th- you don't really get Sherlock once he arrives without Moriarty. He mm-hmm. is what is driving the show and driving um, the motivations of Sherlock and his own neuroses and all of that. But he's so 
again, charismatic and funny and you're, he's scary too because he's unpredictable. Yes. But he's just, he's Andrew Scott. Oh. Okay, what's your number two? Uh, oh my God. Okay, uh, number two is uh, Hexus from Ferngully. Okay. Simply because it was fun. Like the, this, because it's played by Tim Curry. He got the best songs in the whole movie. Okay, except for Batty's song, which was just a work of art. But I mean, think about it. In that movie, we had Tim Curry playing a pollution monster and Robin Williams playing a deranged bat that yep. had been a science experiment. And I actually, I would argue that Hexus is not the entirely the villain. He's a product. Uh-huh. Humans were the villain. Yep. <laughs> They're cutting down the rainforest. But. I'm still surprised that so many people in our generation turned out to be, you know, environmentally conscious when you had a pollution monster played by <laughs> Tim Curry. Like, sign me up, sir. Yep. yep. My second one I am going with, and this is, she, this is a woman, um, almost fell into legit scary because they do find her legit scary as well, which is our next list that we'll be talking about. But I realize I don't like James Caan. So I'm going with Annie Wilkes played by, oh, oh my goodness, why did I just? Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates yes. in Misery. You, again, you were watching her the whole time and you're mm-hmm. watching her moods. And I mean, she terrifies you, but then you have these moments where you're like, oh. Well, and she legit convinces yes. him of things of his mm-hmm. own book. Yep. Yep. <laughs> She's, she, you're with her. You are. And so it, she's scary, but your eyes are on her the whole time because she is that terrifying. And that's why, you know, and he's just, you don't like him. You don't like him as a human in the movie too, yeah. which makes it difficult. So you're almost <laughs> rooting for her to get what she wants, even though the idea of breaking somebody's legs, is just really, just especially really scary. in that way. That's like, that's one of those oh, like core oh. memories. I have for to me. look that away. Sound like, Oh, no, it's a look away moment. Yes. All right. What's your last one? Uh, Oh my God. I don't know. I literally have a list of like 12 here. Okay. Uh, my last one is actually, haha, it's a twofer because it's the same actor, um, which is, first of all, most things played by Christoph Waltz. Mm-hmm. I adore him. So in both Inglorious Bastards, where he plays Hans Landa, the, uh-huh. the, he's a Nazi. Like yes. he's a, I, I wanted him to die. I also wanted him to be on screen yep. the whole time. He's in my legit scary yes. list, that character. He's smart, but he's also, he's enjoying himself. It's that so he's calmness again, too. Yes. Oh, gosh. And then when he was in uh, Water for Elephants as August, the Mm -hmm. husband, in part, I admit, because um, the two main characters had all of the chemistry of a wet paper towel, those two did not. I love Reese Witherspoon. I like love Robert Pattinson. Together, I wanted to claw my face off. I liked the elephant a lot. The elephant was adorable. (laughs) But I enjoyed watching Christoph Waltz on screen more than I enjoyed the entire romance. I was like, you two are icky what he does so well too and he did it even in bond he was in he was an inspector skyfall no specter he was inspector Spectre, yes he was that it's that it's i have him under legit scary for hans landa it's you don't want to take your eyes off him because you're scared of him so mm-hmm. your eye does automatically always go to him and you want but he brings that tension that you want within the movie because yes. he's so good at it and it's again that calm manipulative thing which mm-hmm. um is definitely what i find the most terrifying thing i, I find so. it terrifying but also kind of sexy yeah. i'm not gonna lie <laughs> yep um for my last one i here i had also sheriff of nottingham from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, because Alan Rickman. I mean, I yes. love Kevin Costner, but Alan Rickman. But my choice is going to be Heath Ledger's Joker. Oh, that's a good one. In the Dark Knight. I mean, I like Christian Bale. I don't love Christian Bale's 
Batman. Mm-hmm. It, it Batman doesn't have a lot of personality. Yeah, he doesn't really have an arc. He doesn't have an arc. He he does not grow throughout the movie. You kind of just continue to dislike him because he plays. I don't like the rich playboy. Mm-hmm. You know that is sometimes hurt you know hurt and oh you know yeah he could have been so much smarter about that have. like there could be so many ways to play that mm-hmm. but yeah mm-hmm. but when Heath Ledger you're listening when he's on you're again a little scary because but he's also not completely wrong and mm-hmm. you just kind of want to see where he's going with it so you want him on the screen the whole time and he's more self-aware like he you is. get Batman with like the internal struggles mm-hmm. and the I don't know what I'm doing he and and Joker was just like no. you I'm like, I, I know I'm the mm-hmm. dog chasing a car. I don't know what I would do if we got to the point where I where this was over. Yep. Like, there's no end goal. I'm enjoying myself. Whereas Batman is like, no, this will, <laughs> no, it's not. You just keep beating up criminals. When he walks out of the hospital and the nurse self and yes. the hospital blows up and he kind of jumps a little and then he's like, oh, so it's the, Which was apparently a blooper when it uh-huh. didn't fully blow up and yep. he like shakes the thing. <laughs> like, so being good. able to remain in character yes. while things are exploding. Yep. He deserved all the awards. His celebrity death still upsets me to this day. Yes. When I learned about his passing, I was like, I didn't sit in my house and cry, but I was upset because it's like, I want to see where else this guy, and I had loved him for yeah. a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had watched him from his first TV show in the U.S. called Roar. Roar. That was a horrible <laughs> show, but I own the DVDs. And I, so that's when I first saw him. And then you get into Knight's The Patriot Tale. and The Knight's Tale and 10 Things I Hate About You. And there were so many different things that I loved. And he was able to play dramatic and funny and you wanted to see where yeah. he went. I mean, you get Brokeback Mountain and I mean, it just crushes your soul and he was so good and mm-hmm. we lost yeah. ourselves. He's That's like, there fun. was so much more mm-hmm. possibility yep. there. There was so much potential that, yeah, I mean, some of lots of times when an older actor dies, like this very sad because yep. I love them, but you know, okay. They had their career. Yeah. They had, yeah. When did someone like Heath Ledger, you're like, but, no, well, there was like 16 <laughs> movies he was going to make that yeah. I was going to love. Uh-huh. I can guarantee you. I don't even, nobody had written them yet, but I was going to love them. Yep. All right. We were, we're at our last list. Uh, Are you ready? Top three scary. villains that we consider legit scary. Um, okay. My first one is Hell from 2001, A Space okay. Odyssey. Mm-hmm. The monotone voice, yep. the control, the very, like, it's the calm. They're like, I'm sorry, I can't do that. <laughs> yes. Like, Oh, I'm screwed. <laughs> yes. Like that that omnipotent complete in control of the whole space station that like uh-huh. oh no, that's why I just like okay, kill me now. Yep. I'm, I'm out. I'm not fighting you. <laughs> yep. No, I agree that one's scary. My first one is Blackjack Randall from Outlander <laughs> because he is one of those that is just pure evil. He is mm-hmm. just evil and he does horrible horrible things but and they can never no and you, they <gasps> can never seem to get away from him and so when he does come on your screen you have this like actual reaction like oh mm-hmm. gosh no and yeah you get all tense and so then when she's back in her original timeline and she's married to the man that looks exactly like him i don't know how she got into the house with i'd be like i'm sorry mm-hmm. no i know you're not that person but I'm going to wake up from a nightmare and kill you in your yes. sleep. Oh, like, it's going it to be, be an terrifying. accident, but so, other you deserved it. So. Yep. And, and what, I mean, there's a lot that I like about the show. There's also a lot I don't like about the show. Uh, the just gratuitous rape in that show is yeah. disgusting. And I think you could have had a lot more 
plot development without that. Like you could have gone in different directions. It's become a lazy it has. way to get it trauma has. and drama. Uh-huh. And, and it, so it was frustrating. But he he is he was just scary. Like he scared me when he came on mm-hmm. the screen. You didn't want to be there. Like you're like, can I fast forward? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be here. So we just skip through these scenes really mm-hmm. quickly. Yeah. Okay, what's your number two? Uh, my number two is uh, Griffin from 2020's Invisible Man. Um, I've and not seen that one. Less because of him when he's the Invisible Man and more almost entirely because of the opening scene. It starts out with a normal couple in a very rich house and you slowly realize that she's trying to sneak out of the house. She's in an abusive relationship and she's trying to get out of the house to her friend in the car. That whole scene is so fracking intense Uh because it is quiet and it is like i from that moment on he terrified me which is horrible because he's sexy scarecrow he's (laughs) oliver jackson cohen who i really enjoy and find very attractive mostly because of emerald city and then he was in the haunting things and and he's done a lot of awesome stuff but that and then he puts on the suit and so because he's a techie guy and makes himself invisible and he stalks her Mm -hmm. but you see before you find out about that you see her being really, really proud of herself because she manages to get to the end of her friend's driveway to get the mail and get back up, and a jogger freaks her out. Yeah. So the amount of trauma this uh-huh. man put in her head, that's what terrified me about him. Like, this very real, just absolute terror, even before you got to the weird sci-fi stuff. Yep. Yep. Mine's kind of in that, my second one's kind of in that direction. For, I don't, and we have gone over this many times on the pod, I don't like scary movies. I don't like horror movies. Um what movies i don't like jump scares mostly but the movies i find truly terrifying are the ones where it is that situation someone you know that has manipulated you or coming like a lot of times it's the the abuse situation and the husband is coming after you so you think um what's the one with julia roberts where she leaves and he finds her she pretends to die oh it's going to come to me later yeah um yeah we'll come back something with a stranger Oh, yeah. Oh. I'll shout it out when I remember it. <laughs> or that movie Enough with J-Lo mm-hmm. where the she's having to learn how to defend herself because she know her knows her ex-husband's going to come up after her. So it, mm-hmm. those movies scare me. So the idea of it being somebody you know mm-hmm. frightens me. So my number two pick is Jack Torrance from The Shining. Yeah, that was that was horrifying. It's it's scary because you think I'm well. This is the man I married. He was normal when we came in here, and when there's a change of behavior and personality, mm-hmm. and then it turns on you, I think I don't know. I think that would be absolutely terrifying. And Jack Nicholson, he's scary. Yeah, I mean, you just look at his facial expressions, and he's got this wild manicness about him that you're like, Mm-mm, it's unpredictable. And so watching that movie, always I've watched it maybe twice in my life, and I can't. Like, mm-hmm. it scares me but it's because of that you know and then it's not the person you knew yeah well and it sort of makes you very aware of exactly how vulnerable mm-hmm. you are like just that i was like if somebody wanted to kill me if like me specifically not yeah. like oh i just happen to be the one who's there but like i i do a lot of things on my own uh-huh. like this is a possibility yep <laughs> and yep. that is terrifying there's only so many locks you can put on your door yep all right, what's your number three? Uh, number three, eeny, meeny, miny, I'm going to go with The Nothing from NeverEnding Story, which it might be kind of a cop-out because it's like existential dread and depression. <laughs> um, but to me, the scariest thing about a villain is usually before you see them. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Hitchcock-style horror where there's just, just 
tension builds and you're like, I don't even know what I'm afraid of at this point. But Never Ending Story is one of those movies that I watched a lot as a child. I desperately wanted a luck dragon. I also wanted a really cool book with a nifty lock on Mm -hmm. it. And like, where where does one go to get these? But it's a very adult villain. Just yes. this, this nothingness and this darkness coming at Kills you. The like, horse. I, yeah, I know. Poor horse. Like, the horse literally was depressed and, to yes. death. That's uh-huh. what, and, you know, <laughs> as an adult, I, I luckily do not deal with depression, but I have still been in moods where you're like, I get it. Yeah. I get, like, I'm just, I can't. I'm not with it today. I'm not. Yeah. So, like, I, it makes too much sense. I don't like it. <laughs> So my third one, and I have a very long list too. Mm-hmm. We might have to just shout out at the end other ones that we have on our list that we want to talk about. Um, but I am going to go with, and it goes back to that manipulation, that quiet, calculating manipulation that I, I, I think is scary, is legitimately scary. And so I'm going with Peter Baelish, Littlefinger from Game of Thrones. Ooh. And it kind of surprised me how many Game of Thrones people I could have put on here that mm-hmm. I that are just in that same mode. The one that... Um, got eaten by the dogs at the end. Oh, um, Ramsey Bolton. Ramsey Bolton. Yes. Oh my god, oh, so, I enjoyed he's so that. scary. I enjoyed. It was such a great comeuppance in that yes. show. But Littlefinger is calculating, mm-hmm. and he is again playing that game, and he knows how to play that game, and he knows how to work the system, and he knows how to manipulate you. And it just—I I would be scared in that situation of what I know. Would I notice? Would I catch on before it was going to happen to me? Mm-hmm. Um, He's kind of the the foil to Tyrion because mm-hmm. the, the, they're both they're actually very similar characters. Yeah, just one is evil, yes. <laughs> and one is you're like Tyrion's selfish and he's you know wants things for himself, but but he's you know not a bad guy. Yeah. So when he now pops up in ever, other things, I have a hard yes. time watching. He does <laughs> pop up in Peaky Blinders. But I, I give it a pass because he has an excellent name. It's like Abarama Gold or something. I know it's this fabulous. fabulous name. Um, but it, it's that's also fun when you're thinking of villains, especially the ones that you consider legit scary. That visceral feeling you have every time that you see them, even though they are not that person. Like mm-hmm. if I met him in real life, I'd be like, huh, no. <laughs> nope. The guy who played on my list, Teabag from Prison Break, I could yes. never meet that man in real life because he's he, he's evil and he's scary mm-hmm. or... If I heard, I mean, I would love to meet Tom Hardy, but if I heard Tom Hardy's voice, I would hear Bane and I would be terrified. Like, it's just some uh-huh. people that I'd be like, uh, that guy who plays Black Jack Randall, I don't think I could be in the same room as him. I'd be like, I'm sorry. I know, I know and rationally that you are not that person and it was a fictional character, but you did it so well, too well, mm-hmm. I can't. It's like when you hear story, actors tell stories, but like after playing a, a noticeable, you know, uh-huh. a large villain, like people will cross the street away <laughs> from them. Like I don't blame them. <laughs> I okay. Don't blame them. Yep. Who else? Any other villains you want to talk about that's been on your that was on your list? Um, Hugo Weaving. Oh, he's which good. again, it's that the personality and the, going back and rewatching The Matrix, you're kind of like, oh, he's not really wrong because he's a program. He was built to do this thing. He yeah. was created for this. And it's, again, the confidence that like, oh no, this is what's going to happen. Yep. Joe Young from you, that you, yes. it's that you don't, and he's even commented on that, that no, you're not supposed to be attractive to me, but, mm-hmm. but you end up being a little attracted it's to him. more compelling. Mm-hmm. And I think the great thing with that show is that throughout the first chunk of the first episode, you're on his side. Yep. For a little, little too long. Too long. Like you yeah, ignore you feel dirty. a red flag or two, and <laughs> yes. then you go, "Oh shit! No, he's hiding in a bathroom. What the heck?" 
How did we get here? Yeah. My other one that I find legit scary, Amy Dunn from Gone Girl. Yes. She's, and, and again, she is not completely wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ben Affleck is just crap. Yeah. Like, he's just that a whole jerk. monologue she has about the cool girl and what's expected. I remember listening to that the first time and going, yeah. But when it flips into rational into crazy and it is just legit crazy oh yeah. it's scary and then the way she traps him at the end and he knows he's trapped like you mm-hmm. you're scared for him you're like oh uh-huh. my goodness you need to get out of this that doesn't house end well for you yep um although i would say one of the others that truly terrified me was the clown from the first movie version of it wow. possibly because it was played by tim curry who's horrifying yes like no it's <laughs> <laughs> scary all clowns are scary. Uh-huh. Have I'm you terif- ever punched a clown? No, I have I not. But like, I am terrified of spiders. Like, legit terrified. I tried to get my dad to drive four hours to come kill a spider <laughs> for me once. He said, no. I was more afraid of Tim Curry in that movie than I was at the end when it morphs into a giant spider. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, spider. Okay, but did you see <laughs> that fucking clown? <laughs> yep. There's a lot of really good villains. Yes. But that leads us to our book recommendations because we are both librarians and we do not need an excuse to talk about books. So what would you consider? Oh, she's going to talk about the book I don't like. Um, what is, who is your, one of your favorite villains? Uh, one of my favorite uh, book villains is Mrs. Danvers from Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier. Emily does not like this book. Like book. She is wrong. It is fabulous. It is a dark, gothic, moody, atmospheric romance although it's It's a very toxic relationship yes it's just all messed up um but rebecca the title character is actually dead before the book starts um rich man he meets the pretty young girl brings her back to his house um there's a definite class difference she was actually a um lady's companion and she's married this rich man so she shows up at this giant gothic english estate and Nobody will really talk about Rebecca, his first wife, except for Mrs. Danvers, the housekeeper, who in the book, the movie is fabulous. The original movie with Laurence Olivier, don't watch the Army Hammer travesty. It was, oh my God, it destroyed it. But um, in the book, you get much more of a sense that Mrs. Danvers was in love with Rebecca. Oh, yes. Obviously, the She was madly in love yes, with Rebecca. The, the Hitchcock 1940s, they, they could not portray that. She was just devoted to and you're like uh-huh, yeah whatever um but she nearly destroys this whole relation their relationship everything because she was so good at manipulating the young the new young bride like she was devoted to her mistress to her if you believe former lover to the point where it doesn't matter if she's dead she is mistress of this house you don't get her room you don't get her clothes you will never be rebecca i love it she's evil and she's insane but just so much fun i know emily emily's rolling her eyes at me because she doesn't like this book i got her to read it and she's like i hate it. it and i just and i i it might be because of that particular character that you just have such a strong reaction and it's in a in a sense almost an unreliable narrate like mm-hmm. nobody is who they seem and so it's just this um yeah i like it i do like gothic stories though so i like the setting i like the big house where you know things are creaking in the night and you mm-hmm. don't know what's up there so i am gonna go with 
Grady Hendrix's The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. I where I thought you were going to go. But all right. Where'd you think I was going to go? Illuminate. I was. But <laughs> if we're going to talk antiheroes, I have true. to do he's, that next time. So I almost did it. Right. I almost talked about that one. But this one is, it is a fun read. It's, it is a bit of a horror book, but it's about a vampire that comes to town. And, um, I can't remember his name. They they say it's fried green tomatoes and steel magnolias meets Dracula. And it does feel a lot like that. So it's this group of women who are having to fight back against this, this vampire that comes to town. And it, it is just, it's a lot of fun. Um, so you get to see how first he kind of ingratiates himself into their lives. And they're like, yes, this handsome man just moved in next door. This is great. Hey. And then he starts to reveal himself and he's very open with them about who he is. And so he kind of starts to pick them off one by one. And there's just a couple of the women that are like fighting back. It's funny. Um, but he is it's that charm again and i can't mm-hmm. remember his name it's an interesting of twist head, but... on the um sort of teen paranormal romance yeah. trope where either the vampire or the werewolf or the alien moves in next door and and they're they're reserved and, and quiet and broody and very sexy and, yes. and of course she ends up finding out <laughs> but yes and that the the women are fighting back this time, and that's I why it. I love so much about it. So it is a great one. I have read a couple of Grady Hendrix's. He did another one called The Final Girl Support Group. So it's like if Scream, um, the Nev Campbell character, that had happened to more than one woman. And so they formed this club that they are the women that survived is really good. He did one called My Best Friend's Exorcism, where a person is to, you know possessed and the friend has to step in to help. He does <laughs> does it in a quirky way he has a new one out i really want to read how to sell a haunted house um, so, yes so i'm excited about that but grady hendrix like would buy a haunted little house. different you like, would think you would i think i would buy like a haunted actively house. seek okay out a haunted no house? I, but, but i think i'd be all right with it i, I feel like I if know. you're decent to the spirit and be like yeah it's cool do whatever you want then if you can like make friends <laughs> no but every horror movie they are you know Okay, know. in my no. head, it's more like Cordelia in in the Angel series, where okay. they end up becoming friends. Okay, <laughs> that's what I want. I want to hold like you guys Casper to be my friend. Yes. Once everybody got on board, and then maybe they become Devon Sawa, and you get to kiss them. Hey, <laughs> older, older Devon Sawa, <laughs> yes, not the child. <laughs> I will take older Devon Sawa. All right. Well, that is all for today. Thank you so much for joining us. If you haven't already, I hope that you subscribe so that we can keep going on this journey together. You can follow me on Instagram at at GnomeGirlM and a bit of fun with Emily on Facebook. Go have yourself a bit of fun today and I will see you next time. Bye.